Hey there, I'm Hope from Unicorn Marketing Co. I'm your host and welcome to the Magic Hour. Cecile is our special guest. She's joining us from Kamloops. Hi, Cecile. We know each other because I've seen you through Deandra and other counselors in the area, though you are very popular on social media. So I'm very excited to hear all about your thoughts. Well, thank you. you. A little bit about yourself and your practice. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm a counselor here in Kamloops. I specialize in trauma, specifically childhood trauma. And I have a whole practice here also in Kamloops while I'm counseling. And we are a bunch of different types of trauma therapists. So we have one counselor who does like birth and infertility trauma. We have like body image trauma, a bunch of different uh, just types of trauma counseling that we all come together and do. That is really hard work. So kudos to you. And thank you for showing up for your community. You are so welcome. Yeah. How did you. you first find your passion for counseling, Cecile? I started going to counseling myself when I was a little kid. I think I was like, I want to say grade yeah. three or even grade two when I went to my first counseling session. And I was always like, oh, wow, this is so cool, right? Like, this is just a cool thing. You know, you're grade three, however old, eight year old or something. And it was just like a cool thing. I got to leave school early. I got to go talk to someone. She cared about me. She wanted to know what was going on. And so I think there was always like a bug in my ear around like, oh, this could be an option. And so as I grew up, I just continued to kind of have that as an idea and kind of be interested in it. So in high school, started taking like a psychology class and being like, oh, that was really cool. And then went to university and ended up majoring in psychology. And just every step that I took, the more and more interested I was in doing that until suddenly like, here I am. There's never been a reason not to. So I just kind of kept going going down that path. It's just kind of been there, kind of at the back of your mind. And just slowly kind of percolated throughout your life. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, it's yeah. such a part of who you are. It's such a big part of who you are now. How did you create a space for your practice on social media? Tell us all about it. It was actually kind of accidental, but not. So I was building an Instagram page because, you know, you hear like having these Instagram pages can be really good. Like you can grow your business, all this stuff. You kind of are supposed to, so to speak. So I wanted to make reels on uh, Instagram. They were like the new hot thing. And I had an Instagram page, but I, at the time, Instagram, you couldn't, I can't remember what it was. I think it was music or there was some Mm. factor that you couldn't do on Instagram. So I was like, just venting, complaining to a friend, texting her being like, oh, this is so stupid. I can't figure it out. And she's like, well, why don't you just get a TikTok account, make it on TikTok, download it, and then upload it to Instagram. And I was like, oh, sure. Like I could do it that way. And then I thought, well, if I'm already making them on TikTok, I might as well post them on TikTok too. Like, and they just started really blowing up on TikTok. TikTok just got really big. And then of course, when you have an account on one platform that's growing, it naturally starts to grow in the other accounts because people start following you on both. So it was a kind of happy accident that I just like ended up on TikTok and my account really started growing that way. I think I saw you on TikTok, maybe it was during COVID or just after the pandemic. And you were you're definitely yeah that sounds about right I can't quite recall what kind of stuff were you talking about that were relating to your viewers I think a lot of especially in the beginning what people really appreciated was just understanding what trauma can really look like I think there is I think a bit of a gatekeeping around like what trauma is around like trauma is these particular few instances Mm -hmm. that are really really big And that is one type of trauma, right? That is part of what trauma can be, but trauma is also smaller things. Um, I believe it's Dan Siegel. I believe it's Dan Siegel who has a beautiful quote. And he says, trauma is anything that overwhelms our system's capacity to cope. That's all it is. So anytime that our system just doesn't know how to cope with a situation, that is trauma. 
And I think it's really validating for people to understand and learn, oh, that is me. And so a lot of people in the beginning were really relating to that content of like, oh, that's what's going on. Because when you have the label of what it is, obviously it's a lot easier to then figure out what to do to help. But if you can't figure out that, that what am I experiencing? What's, what am I going through? Then how Absolutely. do you change that, right? I think putting a label on it is a lot easier to identify with and to start solving the, the issue that's happening for people. Why do you feel that social media is a good space for yourself as a counselor? And I ask this because of course, showing up online, being on our phones all the time, it can have a, a big toll on our mental health, but how do you use it as a counselor for, for positivity? Yeah, I think where my mind first went there was like, what accounts are people following? Because I think absolutely, if you're following more unhealthy accounts, then yeah, social media can be a really detrimental mm. place for a lot of people. I think it can be if we're following certain accounts, if we're like the, the accounts that inspire and that nourish, like I think of your account, that's always about like positivity and helping people grow, helping people find their voice. I think when we're following those accounts, that's when we really can find social media to be a really great place. And that's what I'm really trying to make my account is a place where we're talking about the reality of it. We're not like sugarcoating. It's not like all sunshine, butterfly and rainbows all the time, right? Like it's hard and it's messy and it's difficult. And when we see that reality, I think it can be so validating. And then I try to infuse that as well with like the education part of counseling, like what the science is saying, what the research is saying, so that people get really good peer reviewed evidence about things, because I think there can be a little bit of the, just like anything else with any other field, there can be a lot of like nonsense that's kind of out there. And so really being able to share good peer reviewed so research is really important to me. Having peer reviewed research is so important. Fact checking, showing where your sources are, it's huge. A lot of information yeah. out here on social media and on the internet cannot have sources and it can be very misleading let's say <laughs> yeah it's really great and it, it's an extra step for sure of course but you're in the space you're already reading all these articles you're sharing them with your team you guys are doing training all the time yeah. so it seems like a no-brainer and i'm so glad that you're ethically showing up on social media you're welcome oh, thank you yeah, I think, you know, when you're already consumed in the knowledge, why not just do that one little step and then share it with people so that other people can then have that as well? Because that's exactly like you say, what we're doing yeah. already is being immersed in all of that research. And I think that's a huge privilege to be able to have access to mm -hmm. that research, to be able mm -hmm. to like afford some of this. And so then to be able to share that with people who might, you know, not have the time to be doing all of it. And I can concisely or somewhat concisely sometimes share what that so, is, I think can cool. be really cool for people. So what would you say is, the giant term of mental health. What does this refer to? What is it? Oh my gosh, I feel like I should have a great answer for you, Hope, and I don't know if I do. Mental health, like I'm just gonna give you a circular answer. Like mental health is the health of our thoughts and of our mind. And so I think we can have mental wellness regardless, like everybody has mental wellness that we need to look at as almost separate from mental health. So health is how are we doing just looking at the concrete like medical definition of it but i think wellness is different how are we feeling how are we thriving versus just the health of us so for example you might not have depression but you might not be right. feeling good those are two different things you might not have a mental health issue you don't have depression but are you mentally well are you really thriving in life and so yeah, i'm kind of really does that, that make sense am i explaining that properly rather than just the mental health tell me more about how everyone can relate to this well, I think a lot of people go to counseling because they have mental health issues, right? Like you're, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have trauma. So we're going to counseling because something is wrong, which very valid reason to go to counseling. 
but what if something's not just like great, you know, like things are like, okay, but they're mm-hmm. not, you're not thriving. You're not really enjoying things. That's where I think that mental wellness piece can come in that whether it's counseling or it doesn't have to be counseling. There's so many ways of doing this that we should all be focusing on like what's making me mentally well. And I think that's things like, you know, spending time with friends and having a work-life balance, for example, all those can lead to our mental wellness. And we should all be focusing on that regardless of whether we have mental health concerns. When we go to counseling for say healing or to understand our trauma, that would be more related to mental health, would you say? I would say so. And I think often the counseling journey starts with the mental health type of things. And then as we heal that, as we're moving through that, then it can shift into that mental wellness of like, okay, things are good. Like, let's make them even better now versus like, okay, we've just got you to a oh, yeah, good point, totally if that makes sense. sense. I think mental wellness, great word, new word of the day. I think it's so important and that we need to, just as we nurture our bodies, take care of our minds as well. Um, even when something doesn't feel super wrong, maybe we're a little bit burnt out. Maybe we're a little bit stressed. It's okay to ask for help. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With you on that. Um, so what are some of the benefits of talking about mental health in a public space, in a private space, in our communities? And we can even go as far as talking about mental wellness too, if we like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if we don't, if we don't talk about it, we don't know how others are. I think it's, I have the absolute privilege of seeing how so many people are doing, right? I get to see so many clients and so many people tell me the reality of how they're doing, how they're coping. And yet a lot of people, I think, get to see like the picture pretty version, almost what we were talking about earlier with like, what can social media be? It can be that like filtered, everything's great version of our lives. And I think the more that we talk about mental health, the more that we talk about mental wellness, we get to see that that's not the reality for everyone. And I think that increases a a self-compassion and decreases the shame of like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one who's struggling with feeling well all the time, or I'm not the only one who's struggling with this depression, anxiety, trauma, OCD, whatever it might be. But that only happens when we start talking about it. That if we each just kind of like keep our wellness to ourselves and our health, mental health to ourselves, nobody's ever going to know that oh, they're not yes, alone. that's so right? true. And we're not alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. But we have to start those conversations mm-hmm. in our communities and in our right personal immediate relationships to start that conversation flowing really so when we shift let's shift and talk about business okay you're also a business owner you have practice and you're also being amazing and helping so many clients but i think entrepreneurs are just starting to talk about their mental health more i think there's more of a shift in this space of how are you really doing what are your thoughts on this You know, I think I have the absolute privilege that most of my entrepreneur friends are also counselors. And that's just like such a, such a part of the conversation that we have, right? Is around like that it is hard and that we're talking about those pieces. You know, I also think I feel just such a strong privilege that for me, having a business has been part of like a real benefit for my mental health, mental wellness is having that business is being able to, okay, okay, let me give you today's a perfect example. Um, I finished with my clients at noon, went to a physio appointment because I needed to do one, went for a run and then came here to do this. And I have that flexibility because I'm a business owner, because I make my own schedule that I was able to say, you know what, this is what looks best for my day. And so I think I have a real privilege in that of building a schedule that works for me and works for my wellness. I also agree. I am so privileged and grateful that I can have the opportunity to build a day by day and to to fit what works for me on a regular basis and has changed my mental health since i worked in the corporate nine to five that wasn't nine to five and now everything is so much different (laughs) um 
And I think there's a lot more conversations about how you said like our Instagrams or our lives, they're not just highlight reels. There's a lot of other things happening there. And I think businesses, small business owners are starting to talk more about those darker points. They're leaning into the, the darker, not talked about, not stereotypes, but those personas that aren't there, that aren't the main topic always. Yeah, because I think it is nice and it's hard because we want to give the solution of like, it's all perfect and it's all easy. And I think there's this like fear that if I say that it's not, then like, is my business not taken seriously? Like, am I not seen in the same way? How's that going to impact like my, my, yeah, my business, my customers, all of these pieces. And so we think if we hold it in, that's the better option when ultimately, like we were talking about before, the more that we can talk about, the more that we can be real. I think people are actually drawn to that and people totally. actually really and I appreciate always that. The word authentic, but I think that that really comes into play here too. Being more true to yourself and showing up as yourself has such a huge benefit for yourself your community and everyone wants to know more about you and just the work that it takes not to be authentic on social media to be honest like I'm pretty just like myself on social media you know because to not be that I don't know how you know what oh my god I can't even think of the amount of work to put forward a persona of just like everything's always great all the time I prefer to just be like this is me and like this week I didn't post at all because it was a really busy week so I was just like I just won't rather than trying to force Mm -hmm. myself to do these things this week's busy. Yeah. Don't need to, and right? So much easier. Ability to not freak out or hold yourself to these like really difficult standards. Like it's okay to have a bad week. It's okay, totally, to not post for a week if that's what's going on in your life. Yeah, and I can say following that system, I guess if you want to call it a system of like when I have the capacity, mm-hmm. post when I don't don't I mean I do try there's a bit of a discipline to it sometimes I don't want to but I do it versus like I don't have the capacity to when I don't have the capacity I haven't seen that harm my business I haven't seen a decrease in you know people who want to work with me or work with the team because of that I think people are again receptive to that reality of when we take care of ourselves we actually show up better when we do post content when we are coming forward versus just like trying to push something out all the time just to meet some like requirement about this this morning I was percolating on this questions I'm going to ask you and I was thinking I think my business is essentially a giant mirror or a reflection of who I am and it can be very personal and very scary to put it out there I mean it's going great and I'm very grateful for all of the wonderful relationships I have but there could be downsides there too and that could be quite terrifying absolutely I think to me like the word imposter syndrome comes up of we think that people are going to think we're an imposter. Like we don't have it together. We don't really, you know, that's my perception of it or my experience of it. I should say that if I show you that not everything is perfect all the time, how are you going to perceive me? Are you going to see me as like not a capable counselor because I have bad days or not a capable Mm -hmm. business owner versus that reality? But I would disagree. If you told me that you had a bad day, I'd be like, yeah, you're human. You're a counselor. You're a human being. Like (laughs) to me, that's like serving sense. And that's, that's exactly, yeah. exactly what I would tell you, right? It's just kind of that internal, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, holy shit. Absolutely. Sorry, can Thank I swear? You. My apologies there. <laughs> Thank um, you for asking. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. There's that, like, yeah, for others, you can you can fit these rules. That's okay yep. for you. But for me, I have a different set of rules that I need to follow. Living to your own set of rules could be way too much. Could nah. Yeah. What would you say are yeah. some areas that business owners tend to have more stress on that can affect their mental health? 
Sorry, I love it. 10 million thoughts running through my head. One of them being that, again, like, because I am really within a counselor world, my mind is going to more like what counselors might experience. And so obviously viewing it through that lens versus Fair. maybe different types of businesses. And I think it really comes down to that pressure and expectation that we place on ourselves as the business owner. I think that the rules that we have around how it should look or what it's supposed to be rather than what's right for us and then for me, a bit of a journey of like, bring on the people who yeah. can do the pieces that you can't rather than I have to be good at it all. Like, who can I bring on? So for example, I have an administrator who does, she only does about 10 hours a month for me because that's what I need from her. But I can then offsource that to her of like, I just can't keep all these pieces in check. And she's like, so great with like systems and lists. And she just has all that. And so the expectation that like, I'm supposed to do it all versus like, wait a second, like I can offsource this to someone who's like really skilled and talented at that rather than figuring out a way that I can do it all. And that's right. To sharing and delegating the work, you don't have to do it all. And I think, I think entrepreneurs out there, we're getting the hang of it, of not hoarding everything and not telling everyone our secrets. And I think that we are becoming more into an outsourcing culture, especially like during the pandemic and a lot more with the freelancing world I think it's very interesting how we're all sharing the load yeah really recognizing that you kind of do need that community right and I think that in so many different levels but right now thinking about it in that business sense of like we need that community to help our businesses thrive we don't need to be doing that all by ourselves to to stress on if I am not great at accounting it's okay to go and hire an accountant or a bookkeeper to help me I don't need to have 30,000 things on yes. the list to be a successful human being. That's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And I love that you said bookkeeping oh. because I also hire someone to do that because I can't, right? Those are, the, those are the hard pieces. I think at least I speak for a lot of entrepreneurs. I know we have like ideas and vision and like, let's move these things forward. But like, you want me to input my receipts? Like, <laughs> I, I don't think so. Absolutely That's not good. Do yeah. on how to balance your overall work-life balance? You're doing great as a business owner of building your days and feeling more comfortable on what you need. But for people who are having a hard time getting to that point, do you have any tips on how to get there? Something for me that was really helpful was recognizing when I'm productive, when I do my best work and building a schedule Mm. around that. So I'm a morning person. And so I'm often at the office like 6.45 to 7 a.m., because you're going to get really great work out of me at that time. And I used to try and like push myself to stay at the office later and do more later. I don't know why, maybe because of the nine to five mentality. I don't know what my mentality was, but that just doesn't work for me. Whereas getting up first thing, coming here, like I don't really do anything. I barely eat breakfast. I eat my breakfast here. Mm-hmm. I found a system that works for me. And I know some people, my sister, for example, there she's evening. And so any work that she's doing, she's doing it in the evening mm-hmm. because that's when her brain mm-hmm. is just optimal. And so I think finding and questioning why we have to do things in particular ways and doing it in whatever way works best for you, rather than this is the narrative, this is what you're supposed to do. And then I think that goes beyond scheduling too, right? Into like how any system, how do you want to do it? As we talk about social media, maybe the like best practice is to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. five times a week, like we were talking about, but if that doesn't work for you, what does work for you? Can you just find a way to do that rather than forcing yourself to fit into a box that Absolutely. maybe doesn't serve you? Great advice. I would agree. What can I say about work-life balance? I would say that recognizing it, like you've said, when you are most productive is huge and building that into your day-to-day schedule is amazing. Making sure you schedule time for fun things 
or scheduling your break yes. when you need it, I think is huge too. <laughs> I'm a calendar person. I yes. am not going anywhere unless my calendar tells me to. Yeah. But sometimes I have to put fun things in there. <laughs> and you know, I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm the queen of mm -hmm. working through lunch and not taking that break. And something that's been like an active practice for me is like, okay, I have to leave the office because if I'm staying sitting at my desk, we don't have like a, a mm. kitchen space here, or like a break mm. room. We just have offices. If I stay in my office, I'm going to work. Like if I'm just sitting here eating my lunch, oh, I might as well be yeah. doing something on my computer, right? Like might as well. So now it's a really active process. And I love that you said it. Now I'm like, okay, leave the office, go for, even mm. if it's a 10 minute walk around the block, just leave to kind of build that into the day. Because I know myself well enough to say it's not mm -hmm. going to happen if I don't make that. One practice. thing I also like to do is practice commuting to work. I mean, I work in my living room, so it's not a far commute, but I build a fake commute. So I go for a walk every day before I start work to pretend that I'm going somewhere. <laughs> and I head over to my desk. That way, at least I'm getting some exercise, doing something in nature and like connecting with my body before I tune into my computer. And I love that that creates like, I, I imagine, tell me if this is your experience, like that separation of, okay, I've walked to work, I'm mm -hmm. at work now, now mm -hmm. I'm walking home and I'm done versus just like, oh, now I'm in the kitchen loading yeah. the dishwasher and I'm back at work, like just all over the Absolutely. place. I imagine that I separated that a bit. Separation, uh, when I tune out after work, I mean, again, I could just come back to my desk at all hours of the night. Is that going to be good for me? No, I have to like create the space to stop and then go do something else in order to like, let myself decompress from the day. You're making me think of just like the level of like self boundaries or self discipline mm -hmm. needed mm -hmm. to have a work life balance because it's so easy to just like slip into that, but to set those parameters with yourself of like, no, it is whatever time or I have accomplished, you know, X, Y, Z, that was the goal for today. However you do it, there's the line. I'm not going to push past it and yeah. to trust yourself that you can learn to do that rather than just, oh, I'm just going to go squeeze in this and I'm just going to do that one more thing. I think when we're really boundaried with ourselves, we actually do better for our business for ourselves than just like letting that happen and allowing Absolutely. ourselves to just burn ourselves out, right? On the boundaries, but it's a work in progress. What are some activities that you would recommend for people who are experiencing burnout or are feeling pretty close to that gross, yucky word of burnout? I think connection is a bit of an antidote to burnout and connection in that like real authentic deep sense. Not How just are you doing like, today? I don't well, know. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like but like what's the real you know those moments of like real connection like the belly laughs or like the really deep conversations is such an antidote to burnout because burnout I think is really about a capitalistic pushing productivity type of mentality of I have to do more and I can't stop and to me connection is a real opposite of that of let's really start connecting with people let's enjoy the moment that we're in I don't think we can be in that deep connection while being in that like I have to achieve type Absolutely. of mindset I love that answer you're right I think connecting with community speaking to people opening up is a way to definitely prevent that yeah. from happening and definitely connecting to yourself a bit deeper and understanding maybe where you need more help or asking for help if needed. Would you have any recommendations on what to look for when dealing with mental health? Are there any signs or triggers to notice in people around us or in ourselves that we should keep in mind? One of, I think, the most like clear, easy ones to look for is sleep. Um, whether that's in ourselves in others, and that could be in either direction. So like not sleeping at all or struggling to fall asleep, struggling to stay asleep or the complete opposite, like always tired, always sleepy, not able to wake up. 
obviously these can also be related to health conditions. So like check with a doctor, all that stuff. But often it's mental health that uh, really connects to sleep. And I think that can be such an easy one to look for to see our mental health. Where's that at? And then I think another one is that I call it the feeling of like blahness when we're just feeling blah about everything. And if other people, how you doing day after day? And they're just like, yeah, meh, meh, it's fine. It's fine. That to me is another sign that like, Hey, we might want to be looking at this a little bit deeper, maybe doing something at a stage where it's maybe a little bit easier to help change things rather than I'm deep in a depression or I'm hugely anxious and massively burnt out. Let's catch it a little bit earlier being more preventative and thinking about it a bit more proactively than being reactive to how we're feeling. That's really important. This question sounds very broad. I feel like we need to rework this. What are some tips for people who are dealing with mental health stresses? Let's say, what are some tips for finding mental wellness? How about? I love that. Okay. I think that's a great question. There's a whole field of psychology. It's called positive psychology. And it is literally the recognition that mental, the psychology field has always been like, what's wrong? Let's fix it. And positive psychology was like, oh, what's right? Oh. Let's increase it. And so it's one of my like favorite fields just out of like a, probably just who yeah, I am. Yeah. I think it's just a great <laughs> field of psychology. Yeah, it just, it, it aligns with me so much. And so first off, one tip is go Google positive psychology and you will find like so many just like little tips and tricks. What are some of the really good ones? Okay, I like there's this one, it's called the the fulcrum and the level or and the pedal. Okay. I don't That's remember okay. what it's called. Sorry, I don't know the name. But basically, it's about identifying what are the little things in your life that bring you the most joy and how do we not even create more time around them, but become more Holy conscious smokes, yeah. of those moments. So simple because I think a lot of people, they're just so busy and it's like, how do I find more time? And it's like, no, no, don't find more time. Just find the things that are already bringing you a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing them, notice them. So that might even be like when you get home from work and your cat runs to the door and they're like, meow, 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 meow. take that second. And like, when you're picking up the cat and just be like, hello, just the five seconds that you're picking up that cat, like really notice what it feels like in your body when you're like, oh, okay. I feel this like bubbling joy in my chest as I see my cat running up to me, pick up that cat and just like really notice the kitten and like how cute they are. And you're like, oh my God, I love you so much. Take that 10 seconds, five seconds to do that rather than just being like, oh, hey, like keep going with my day. What are the moments become really conscious of them and like move into them? And then also Google positive psychology because there's a million more. Okay. Those are my two little tips on that. So I practice using the five minute journal, I think it's called. And so every morning mm. I write down what I'm grateful for. And then I write down an affirmation for my day. I've been doing this for like, I think almost seven months, eight months. Oh, wow. Sometimes Good I commitment. A little bit and I come back to it, but I definitely notice how I'm feeling when I'm checking in more on the gratitude of each day and when I'm coming back and like circling in at night and writing down what were some positive things that happened today and it really has had a huge effect on me I really love that and I love Mm -hmm. that that's such a simple Mm -hmm. like quick practice because I think a lot of people when we talk about like feeling better they're like okay but I don't have time to like I don't know go for a run every morning or or whatever it might be like you hear about these things that are pretty time consuming and I get that fair I so get that it can be really hard to find that time but can you find those little minutes like you say it's a five minute journal like amazing everybody can find five minutes in their day and if you tell me you can't then I don't believe you talk to me we're gonna find five minutes right because it's it's five minutes and then another is from Alyssa her profile is at more than talk and I went to her sex pleasure workshop recently and she had a really wonderful mm-hmm. recommendation of creating a pleasure journal and I think this comes back to your 
tips on positive psychology and just noticing it doesn't have to be sexual, but what is pleasurable in your life? And if you're eating a piece of chocolate, notice how the chocolate tastes and feel it melting into your mouth and enjoy every little bit and just try and make that tiny little like mental shift around eating a piece of chocolate. And I think that's huge, huge. You're making me think of, and I hope it's okay. Can I, can I share another one? Is that okay? It's called a mini vacation. And it's so much like we're, what we're talking about here. The realization was, you know, when you're on vacation, even if it's not like somewhere like tropical and cool, it's just like, maybe you're in Vancouver, like you're somewhere local and you just like notice things more, right? You're like, oh, wow, look at the architecture. And like, oh, look at that park over there. So Mm -hmm. cool that they have this park. I wonder what it would be like to live there. You start Mm -hmm. to just notice things completely differently. And so the mini vacation is when you're driving to work or when you're like going walking the dog, whatever it might be make it a mini vacation. Pretend that you're somewhere else that you haven't seen before and noticing it as though you're looking at it for the first time. Because when we're on vacation, everything's positive. Everything's great. We're like, wow, look, that tree is so beautiful. Am I at home looking at trees being like, I've never seen such a beautiful tree? Probably not. So just like taking that mentality, right? Like you're saying with like, you're eating the chocolate, like really notice it, be intentional about it do the same with your daily commute of like, what would it look like if I was looking at this through a tourist size? What would I find that would be cool and beautiful? And how can I appreciate those moments just a little more in something that I'm already doing without adding more time into my schedule or more tasks into my schedule? And I'm going to go on my vacation right after this chat. I think go for a little walk. I think that's a really cool cool way of looking at your day and how to experience it. And it's true. When I'm on vacation, I think everything is so fucking cool. And I need to notice that more in my daily life yes yeah and like on vacation we just Mm -hmm. do things that Mm -hmm. we wouldn't normally do right like when's the last time I went downtown and just like walked downtown but every time I'm on vacation like I want to go to their downtown and just like Mm -hmm. see what's there and look at it right and just making that intention of putting time aside to look through a new lens and really explore things intentionally rather than just in the default mode that we usually are sharing that perspective I love this intention I'm gonna try it okay So if someone said they didn't have time for counseling or they didn't have time to take care of their mental health, what would you say to them, Cecile? First, I would recognize that it's hard because it absolutely is. And I think it's actually a really privileged position Mm -hmm. to be able to go to counseling, right? That I recognize there are people who are working multiple jobs who are actually that busy to survive. You do need to do these things sometimes and it can be so difficult. I think that there are different ways that we can take care of our mental health, mental wellness that aren't counseling, and that maybe we can start with some of those. That if genuinely and truly you do not have the time, well, can you do some of these practices that we're talking about here? Can you squeeze in that like mindfulness? Can you find ways to notice things in a different way so that you don't have to create maybe that hour? Because I recognize that finding Mm -hmm. that time can be really challenging. For a lot of folks, though, I'm going to say that I wonder if there might be something that's blocking you that doesn't feel safe about going to counseling. Because usually for most folks, we can find an hour to make that practice, to make that happen. So what is it that doesn't feel safe about counseling or about meeting with another person that you might be using busyness as a bit of an excuse, a way to avoid going to counseling when it's really about something a little bit deeper? Can you explore what that might be? And then can you figure out what you would need in order to feel safe and bring that to a counselor? So for example, it could be setting a boundary with your counselor right from the beginning of like, there's some big trauma that I want to work on at some point and I'm just not ready to do that. I just want to get to know you first and that might take a long time. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Hell 
Yeah, that's okay. Thanks for sharing your needs with me. We're going to take two years if that's what you need and never talk about that thing until you feel safe enough with me to do that work. But identifying what that is that you need in order to feel safe, if it is maybe a bit of an avoidance strategy that we're leaning on, say, like I say, like, I'm too busy. Is it really that? Can we look at what the truth is so that we can get the help that we might deserve and need or that we do deserve and might totally. Do you prefer the virtual counseling world or an in-person session? And what do you think are benefits of each? This is such a, I love this question because so I personally see a counselor virtually. I have a co-supervisor counselor. So what that means is that I work with a more experienced counselor on my cases and then stuff that comes up for me because of my cases and in my personal life. And so I see them virtually because that's what fits best to find the counselor who I wanted to work with. They don't live in Kamloops. That's the choice that I had to make. The benefit is that we can get the person who's exactly what we need, who might not be available locally to us. I also think it's a time saver. So I see my counselor like from my desk between sessions. And so I don't need like that commute time there and back. It's an hour. I can make that. It's really convenient for a lot of folks. There's that real sense of safety because they can do it from a place that's theirs and that feels really safe and comfortable to them. So if you're going to do some really difficult trauma processing, what better place than in your bed where you're like, this is my bed. I know nobody's going to walk in. I'm curled up. You know, that's just so comforting. That being said, as the counselor, I so prefer in person. I just, there's something about that in-person connection Mm. that just feels so much deeper. And I think it creates a space where you're being really intentional. People will come and they tell me, I come to therapy 15 minutes early to sit in the waiting room to have 15 minutes to think about it before I then come into the therapy room. And then they go wait in the waiting room after, like they stay there after their session to have a bit of time to journal or to process. And so I think coming to the counseling room also gives you like, it's a separate space that you can really move into that you can be a little bit intentional about. And then you do get that face-to-face, which I think is so beneficial as well. So I think such a complicated question. And I think it's really just, what do you need? Like, is there one particular person who maybe isn't close to you and you really want to work with that person and you don't care that maybe you lose a little bit because you aren't in person? Or do you need someone that you can create this space and you have safety and you mm-hmm. go there and you're intentional about it? So yeah, it's fair. I don't have a conclusive yeah. answer. Yeah, I like both of them. They're both great. You're on adventure kind of vibe. Absolutely. For myself, mm-hmm. I can share that mm-hmm. my counselor is in Manitoba. And she used to live in Kamloops, and I also used to live in Kamloops. She's now in Vancouver. So that distance gap, I need this person. She's amazing. Like, there's no other counselor that I have that vibe yes. with. So I'm so grateful that I can call her. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Zoom. It works for me. I'm so grateful for that. And I think that's that's such a benefit to it that, like, you found that person. Mm-hmm. That's the person that it works with. It's like, we can still do this, which I think COVID was such actually a a huge plus of COVID is that counseling did really become remote or, or the option for virtual since then. I think prior to, I, I can actually say I did I not do agree. virtual sessions prior to COVID because I was like, oh yeah, I was like, it just seems weird and different. And I don't know if I want to. And so I never kind of pushed myself out of my comfort zone. COVID was like, well, you better figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, whatever works yeah. best for you. However, I you think for counselors, there's a shift of moving yeah. into that virtual business space or virtual therapy space. And think for the patient or the person who's coming to counseling. I think we're all so much more used to having that virtual room. And it, it's not as scary and it's not as yeah. weird anymore. It's really quite normalized, which is great. Yeah, because it just gives so many more options. And I think of remote 
communities, right? Where maybe you don't have mm-hmm. therapists or counselors, or maybe you just have one or two and you know them because that's your daughter's teacher because they're a teacher <laughs> and a counselor, right? It's such a common thing. And now people can just say, okay, great. I'm just going to work with someone from a different community virtually. What a privilege, right? I that know, we now like, have that option. The word privilege. I appreciate this perspective. And I think that it's really important that we acknowledge it. Do you have any apps? or recommendations that may help business owners with their time crunch or accessibility issues? going to be honest, Hope, not the best for the business Absolutely. side. Can I share a mental health yeah. app that I love? Would that be okay instead? Okay. So there's this app completely free I'm obsessed with, and I recommend it to a lot of folks. It's called Calm Harm, so C-A-L-M okay. space H-A-R-M. It is originally designed and like the purpose of it is for like self-harm. If you're going to self-harm, that's what the original intent of this app is. But I recommend it to so many more people. This app, when you go in, it lets you select how long of an activity you want to do and kind of what type, like the overview of like, you know, do you want something that's like thought-based? Do you want something that's a distraction? Do you want something that moves you into your body? So you click how long you want it to be, you click what time, and then it auto loads just a really quick tool, technique, skill that you can do right there from the instructions on your phone. No extra stuff needed. And so I recommend it to people all the time of like, if you're feeling like you just need a little something, you're feeling dysregulated, you're feeling anxious, Mm -hmm. you just want something like right here, right now, pop into your app, do that. I love this app recommended all the time and it's completely free. So it's a really, really accessible app. Any other amazing apps in your brain that you want to share with us? I'll share one while you're thinking. I have one. Anything new. There is a free trial and a freemium version. And essentially there are a bunch of courses that you can take on your phone that counselors provide to help you get through all of these different kinds of scenarios. Say you're a mother dealing with postpartum stress disorder. Maybe you're coming out and you're dealing with all of these emotions and feelings. There's so many specific courses tailored to your needs that are available to help you get through that, made by people who are in the mental health field and who have that knowledge to help you out. You're making me think of, I think they just changed the name, but I'm sure if people look this one up, it would still be, it's minded, but M-I-N-E apostrophe D. I don't know why it's spelled that way. And I think they just changed the name, but it's very similar where it's all bunch of different therapists. And there's also coaches on that one who have different talks around different things. And they structure it kind of like a classroom where it's like session one, session two, session three. And they're just so in depth Mm. about different topics. I'm thinking of Dr. Alexander Solomon, who's like, that's an Instagram account. She's a professor of marriage and family therapy. And then Mm. she's also a family therapist herself. Like she's on there and she talks about like relationship stuff all the time and different counselors who really like niche in. That's another really great one. It is pay for service though. So obviously important to keep in mind for folks who might not be able to afford that this time or might not want to invest in that. And let me, I'm going to email you after so that maybe you can put in the show notes because I'm pretty sure the name changed and just off the top of my mind, it's not coming. It's not coming to me what it's called, but I'll email you so that you can put it in the show notes and have the proper (laughs) name of that app. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. Are there any other resources or long-term help that you would offer for people who are struggling with their mental health? Are there any free resources, let's say in the province of BC, that you would direct people to? Depending on what is what is going on in BC, we do have mental health services that are covered, but it 
very dependent on what your needs are. If you're First Nations, we do have FNHA, which is for First Nations folks, they can get access to free counseling. If you've experienced any type of crime, um, and it doesn't even have to be one that you've reported. So for example, if you experience sexual assault as a child, you never have to have reported it. And through CVAP, Crime Victims Assistance Program, you can get free counseling through that. And then there's also obviously so many nonprofits in each community that offer different free counseling services. I'm thinking in Kamloops here, we have the Kamloops Sexual Assault Counseling Center or Kamloops Sexual oh, Assault right. Counseling <laughs> Center. No, that's right. Yeah. I was like, well, do I have the name right here? Um, and they offer like free services for folks who have experienced any form of sexual assault. So I think there's so many different ones that I'm, I'm almost giving you such a broad, a broad thing here right now. Cause I think it depends on, on. Mm the exact need of a person so I need it. yeah or maybe i do know what my need is should i just go type into google counseling near me or should i is there like a website that hosts a bunch of these different resources this one doesn't host free resources but psychology today is a great platform that kind of counselors can pay to be listed on there and if you type in psychology today and there's a little search bar it's like what's your area you can type in your area and you just say like vancouver you're gonna get a list of a ton of them and then there's all bunch of different filters that you can do to select kind of what you're looking for so if you know nothing just type in your location and then start clicking on therapists and choose one that you like if you know you're like okay i am experiencing trauma you could kind of narrow down to that or if you know even more and you're like i want to do emdr which is a specific type of trauma therapy you might go trauma emdr and it just helps narrow it down more and more until you have a pool of therapists who are like exactly what you're looking for and if you have no idea just choose a therapist who you resonate with one who you're like that person seems cool i could click with them Research has actually shown that that's the number one factor beyond anything else, beyond level of training, beyond modality that the counselor has. The number one factor that determines how well therapy goes really? is the relationship that you have with your counselor. So prioritize that above all else. Mm -hmm. There's a really cool graph chart, and I think it's like 75% or 80% of the benefit of counseling comes from the relationship. Because if you think about it, if you don't trust your therapist and you don't open up to them and you're like not willing to mm -hmm. share with them what's really going on, Counseling's not going to be of any benefit. And so it doesn't matter what approach I take if I'm working with you and you're just like, okay, yeah, sure, Cecile, <laughs> ha, ha, everything's great. I'm getting mm -hmm. so much better. But you're not being mm -hmm. real. We're not going to get anywhere. So the number one factor is find a therapist that you like, that you click with, that you like. That's going to do so much more in therapy than any special training and fancy titles that the therapist might have. And may just I just choose one you like. That it's okay to try many different counselors. I think that this is not something yes. that's talked about very yes. often. People are like, I have a counselor. It's okay. I'm going to a counselor. Or maybe they stop their journey and they're not quite there. But there's so many people out there. And like you said, there are so many different types of counseling. So it's really important to try something that works for you. And I can speak for all of them therapists. I know sure. that we're never hurt by that. If you're like, you know what, mm -hmm. we're just not a fit, right? Because that's so fair. Just like say, friends, you're not going to be a fit with everyone. And that doesn't make, mm -hmm. that doesn't say anything about you. It's just like, we don't click. And so I try and always tell my clients, if I'm not the right counselor for you, mm -hmm. I will help you find the right mm -hmm. one because that's part of my role is finding the right counselor for you. And maybe saying, oh, you know, based on kind of your personality, I think you might get along with so-and-so and connecting them with that person if that's helpful for them. That if you can be honest with your counselor, but like we're not a right fit and maybe here's why, then we can help you find that person who might be the right fit for you because we usually are pretty connected with the counselors in the community. We might know someone else who could really could work well with you. Do you have like one keystone piece of advice that you would share for someone who's looking to dip their toes into the world of counseling or mental health or may need assistance? 
I have a lot of them. And right now, probably just because it's top of mind, it's really about prioritizing the relationship. Mm -hmm. That's really what's mm -hmm. coming forward for me. How do we choose someone and how do we trust our knowledge mm -hmm. of who is right for us rather than, I'm almost going to double back in our conversations, like expectations of who we should mm -hmm. or what that's supposed to look like. Who do you click with? How can you trust yourself to know who's the mm -hmm. right one for you? Even if it doesn't make sense, trusting your judgment is what's going to lead you to finding the right person who's going to be able to help you the most. I'm definitely going to have to go check out all of these different apps. I'm really excited. I love trying new things. I use the Calm app a lot for, I wouldn't say meditating, because mm -hmm. I'm not really a person that likes to meditate, but it helps me slow down. And I like to listen to what they have going on. <laughs> So here's some time. Please tell us everything that you want us to know about Cecile Tucker or your counseling practice. Where can we find you? I'll mention kind of two different, because mm -hmm. there's almost two parts to my business. There's like the in-house counseling agency. And when I say in-house, I also mean virtual. I just use the term kind of in-house. And then I have the online stuff. So if people are looking for a counselor, wellmind.ca is a really great place to go. You can learn about the different counselors that we have on the team. All of us do uh, kind of specialize in trauma and have a focus on trauma, but you don't only have to come to us for trauma because we understand that there's more mm -hmm. to you than just one part. And so maybe you've experienced trauma, but that's not what you want to work on. You want to be working on uh, your relationship with your boyfriend and it has nothing to do with your trauma. Great. Let's talk about that. We don't have to only do trauma work. And what's really cool is that we have counselors at all bunch of different price points because we recognize that not everybody has benefits. So for example, right now we have two and soon we have three new ones joining us for practicum counselors, which means that they're just about finished their master's degree and they need supervision. So they get supervision with me and they can see you at a really reduced rate. So it can be really cool for folks who maybe don't have benefits, but want some counseling. That's on wellmind.ca. And then I also have all bunch of, well, two main ones right now, quizzes that people can do to learn different pieces of mental health. Those are also on the WellMind website, so wellmind.ca. And then if you just go onto the how can we help tab, uh, you'll drop down and you'll see the quizzes there that we have available. So little self, yeah, a little self-assessment quizzes. So one is about mm -hmm. how maybe trauma has impacted your relationships. And then you can get this workbook to kind of help you understand how trauma has impacted your relationships mm -hmm. and maybe what you might want to do moving forward. And then we have one on what stage of trauma healing are you at? And there's four different stages of trauma healing. And a lot of people have assumptions about what therapy is based on that. And so when we can understand where we're at in our trauma healing journey, we can know exactly what we need to do at that stage in order to help mm. us kind of move through. And so you can take a little self-assessment quiz again on that. And then you can also get a workbook there to find out, you know, okay, if you're at this step, this is maybe some of the things that you could try doing to help you facilitate healing Amazing. in this step. And where can we find you on social media? Tell us all about it. Yeah. So if you want to find me specifically, I'm at Cecile Tucker Counseling, both on Instagram and on TikTok. If you're looking for the agency as a whole, that's at WellMind okay. Counseling. And we're only on Instagram for the agency. Well, I really appreciate your thoughts, your time. It's been a privilege to talk to you. Is yeah. there anything else that you would like to share with us? No, I could talk forever. I mean, <laughs> you totally that. Nothing's, nothing's happening <laughs> to my mind right now. So I think I'll say like I've, I've probably talked yeah. enough and said what I needed to oh, say for Cecile, today. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm really looking yeah. forward to finally editing these episodes and putting it out there into the world. Thank you so much for having me. Hope this was a lot of fun.